Hello and welcome to the 118th FIS Freight and Commodity Podcast on Wednesday, 15th February. I'm Mopani and I'm your host. You can always call me Mo. And this podcast is here to bring you guests who update you on the commodity complex. And remember, you can also stay up to date with our daily commentary and weekly analysis on everything going on by signing up for our app FIS Live. And you can also go ahead and follow us on our Twitter page at Freight Investor or find us on LinkedIn. Today we get brief updates on freight and FFAs, Ferris Complex, the oil market and the impact of Turkey uh, and Syria on these commodities after the devastating earthquake we saw recently. Um, That means you can get up, have a walk, go for your lunch and listen to us and get back to work right after that. Uh, So let's get to it. And now we've got our uh, weekly update on freight and FFAs from Kerry Dill, our head of business development. Over to you, Kerry. A turbulent week this past week in the freight markets. Uh, we've really seen a roller coaster, especially on the Capes. Last week on this podcast, we did say there were some green shoots emerging on the Cape size, but we also said it was far too early to say if this was just going to be a dead cat bounce or something more sustained. Indeed, rates in the Pacific picked up a touch late last week, with the C5 briefly ticking back up above that $6.30 level per metric ton on Monday, while rates out of Brazil did appear to hold steady for a couple of days. In the end, however, continued overtonnage in the Atlantic, paired with a slowing of export demand from the major Aussie miners out of West Australia last week, led to a sharp turnaround, with the Cape Spot 5TC average losing 40% of its value in the past two days, falling to 2630 While the paper was finding some support last week with speculation of a floor forming on the capes, this illusion was destroyed by that sharp drop on the index levels. The seemingly unstoppable fall on the index this week saw the March 5TC paper grind down from a high of 8,700 to below 6,500 this morning on FIS Live. Although I would note here it's not being aggressively sold lower yet. Uh, below that 6,500 level. So perhaps that's indicating people believe the index is now a bit too low to be sustainable since we're only two weeks away from March. Let's see where that goes. Q4 trading at $18,075 value now on FIS Live. The Panamaxes have had a little more of a steady grind down since last Wednesday. Many had hoped grain activity would be picking up both from the U.S. and from Brazil in the face of that long tonnage list we've seen in the Atlantic. But that was drawn back by grain export losses out of the Black Sea. Uh, Tragedy from Turkey not helping things at all. On the coal front, mixed pictures showed uh, that in the Asia-Pacific, we saw robust coal demand from Indonesia, but a much lower volume out of Australia. Little support was found from the front hall even this week, and the P6, which I guess had been the one bright spot, that is, delivery Singapore for an East Coast South America round voyage, that started to fall this week as well. That you know, had been the one thing probably propping up rates a little bit. Paper fell as well, March T- March 4 TC average, falling from a high of 11,125 last week to 9,400 this morning, and the Panamax Q4 trading 13,250 this morning on FIS Live. So we have Hal Pei, our research analyst, to update us on the Ferris market and the impact of the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, and what that looks like for the Ferris complex. How are you doing, Hal? Hi, Mo. After one of the biggest earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, 
will there be any impact on the European or global steel industry? Or shall I say, what is the impact? Because, you know, they will be surely. Well, we believe there will be change in the steel industry, but which is not foreseeable at this time stamp. According to World Steel Association, Turkey contributed 40.36 million tons of crude steel in 2021, accounting for 2.1 over the world. Turkey is the biggest steel exporter for CIS in Europe, however. Some of uh, flat steel's demand might shift from Turkey to Asia. Um, as we saw higher bids for higher interest for Japanese and Chinese HRCs during the past few days. Some Eastern Turkish mills announced force majeure during uh, the past three days. But the trend and real impact would highly depend on the most current strategy of the Turkish government. In one hand, if the government closed the door and aimed at filling up domestic demand of rebuilding the country, the next port steel would become less, which could drive up the Europe steel price to bid up for Asian exports. However, if the country is looking to earn foreign currencies and improve economy and job condition, booming steel industry to export more steel is the other opportunity. In this way, steel price would be pulled down by competitive exports. Will this change also connect to iron ore or coking coal? Turkey only contributes a small part of finished steels over the world, but Turkey is the largest scrap importers of the world at almost 25 million tons of scrap on an annual, annual base. Um, but 70% of Turkey's steelmakers are adopting EAFs, which is electric arc furnaces um, using scrap in ways of production. But if there is a significant drop on scrap, which finally could pull down the entire steel prices, and these would revert to all the steel materials, including uh, blast furnace materials, including iron ores and coals. So there are not direct relation from scrap and iron ore, but if the scrap price and finished uh, steel price both collapsed or both corrected massively, it will definitely become one of a major resistance for iron ore and coal market. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Mo. Have a nice one, guys. So next up, we've got Archie Smith, our fuel oil broker, here to talk to us about the oil markets. Hi, Archie. How you doing, Mo? Good, and you? Not too bad, thank you. Good, good. Uh, good. The floor is yours. Tell us what's been happening in the world of oil. Yeah, so, well, looking at... Brent crude futures first. They're a little bit all over the place. Uh, market is in turmoil between China reopening, which is obviously quite bullish. Um, but then just this week, the American SPR said that they were planning to sell another 26 million barrels. Um, so bearish news. Mm. Uh, that brought the Brent crude futures down. They're currently uh, under more pressure as well because of last night's... Um, 
API data release showed a building inventories of 10 million crude barrels. Um, so prices have been under pressure there. We did see a little sp- little spike last week. Uh, obviously, you had the earthquake in Turkey, which um, affected one of their loading ports. It was, it was actually it was damaged. Um, that has since reopened. It reopened on Sunday um, for some loading of some uh, Azerbaijan crude oil, um, and it did it did affect the market in some ways. But I, you know, I don't think Turkey's got that capacity to to really leave a mark on the on the Brent futures market. Um, so yeah, that's what's happening in crude. Um, with regards to fuel oil, the East West, the high sulfur East West has popped um, literally this week. Uh, it was trading at, at one dollar. The difference last week, it's now uh, printing from when I last saw around the fourteen dollar mark. Mm. So and that's in the, that's in the prompt March twenty three contract. So we can expect to see a lot more high sulfur fuel oil going to Asia. Um, especially in the second half of March. Oh, I do have a question on that. Go on. Uh, do you know how long, uh, I mean, that's a direct impact from Turkey, right, with the spread. I think it, it's it's due to cargoes moving to the to China or something like that. Yes, there would have been some impact with Turkey. Um, obviously, cargoes that were meant to have either dropped off in Turkey or loaded in Turkey wouldn't have been able to, so they would have had to have been diverted. Ah. Um you know, th- there could be some effect as well on the back end of the um, the ban on Russian oil products uh, that came in beginning of Feb. Right. Um, I think the market had already kind of priced that ban in, um, but you know, any cargoes that were meant for Europe, as soon as that product um, that product ban came in, they would have had to also been diverted to Asia and and other destinations. So yeah, hundred percent. There has there has been a slight effect there. Um, and then looking at the the low sulfur market, um, Asian low sulfur fuel oil in particular and European is being supported at the minute, even though the Brent is coming off. Obviously, the the flat the the low sulfur flat price comes off with the Brent, but it is being supported by the fact that gasoline refining margins are really firm at the minute. So a lot of the blend stock that would be used for the low sulfur fuel oil complex is actually being uh, used for the gasoline blending at the minute. Because, like I said, the refining margins are very strong. So that is supporting the low sulfur fuel oil market while the Brent is coming down. In other news as well, the a uh, bit of a historic one, actually. The uh, is- An Israeli firm have sent out the first ever Israeli oil export. Um, so obviously they've got enough domestic produce now to be able to start exporting oil. Um, I don't think this is in a place where it's going to impact the market much. Uh, as far as I'm aware, it was it was one loading, one ship. I don't know the exact amount of how much oil it was, but you know, interesting to know that their oil is now going to be hitting the global markets and uh, and to see how that that grows in the future. With regards to the crude oil, um, obviously we are at the minute a little bit bearish, um, and I think another factor that might come to play there is uh, Goldman Sachs. Um, obviously, you know all these big firms. They they give their all predictions for 2023. Um, Goldman Sachs they have stuck with the fact that they think Brent crude futures are going to hit 100 dollars per barrel in 2023. They have stuck with that. However, they've moved their prediction from that price happening around mid year to December. 
Um, as well as this, they have cut their prediction for the average price down from $98 a barrel to $92 a barrel for Brent crude in 2023, which is, you know, again, more bearish news. People do think, yes, it's oil they're still very much on the thought process that oil is going to be higher this year uh, for multiple reasons, such as um, underinvestment in the industry in the past few years um, and a impending supply tightness if China really kind of booms on the reopening. Um, but, you know, the last few reassessments of predictions have seen predicted prices come down 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 so you know that's just another thing to kind of take into account when to looking into uh forward in in 2023 last question for you any thoughts on the game today game today i fancy arsenal yeah i fancy arsenal uh, yeah. i think it's got to be I, I would rather arsenal win the league than city even though i'm west ham mm. um i think if city win it's boring Come on, you gunners. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's, we'll see about that. Let's go. Thank you, Archie. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers, mate. That's it for the week, folks. If you want to stay up to date with everything happening in the freight and commodity space, remember to sign up for our app, FIS Live, or follow us on Twitter at Freight Investor or find us on LinkedIn. And if you'd like to give any feedback or suggestions, email us at news at freightinvestor.com. Thank you for joining us. Have a great week.